0: You say eyebrows, but I think it's the chin action. Because in the Laurie Metcalf School of Dramatic Tricks. Why do we have the same joke?
1: Get out of here. (laughs) Go ahead. Fine. Go ahead with yours.
2: And then I'll say my Laurie Metcalf School of Acting joke after. Go ahead. (laughs)
0: Well,
3: Jessica and Zach from the day they were born. They started watching comedy because it was on She was a golden girl, he had Seinfeld on the brain They said a nine-year-old Frazier fan might just be insane Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mork Now Jessica and Zach get together and talk They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone They'll still watch it because it
1: was on
3: Because it was on Because it was on, because it was on, because it was
1: on. Is it
3: too early to set up a Patreon? And I'll call it Because It Because it because it was on,
1: because it was on, because it was on, because it was on, because it was on.
2: Okay, Zach, so I got some feedback from the producers on our spec script for an episode of 7th Grade Super Genius that we wrote when we took those like really strong edibles a few months ago. They said they loved it, but they did have some questions.
0: Okay. um, Got it. Opening up the email now. So one of the notes says that this is the 17th time in the script that you reference that Winsley is a boy genius, but you haven't made him do any smart boy things. How audience will know he's smart. Make do smart things.
2: Mm, mm. I know that we just popped some more of those edibles and our collective intelligence has plummeted, but I think this should be super easy. What scene was that note on?
0: It's the scene where Winsley is at his after-school job at Halliburton and one of the fracking trucks breaks down. Uh, So he's worried it will make him late for his dad's soft jazz dance recital.
2: Oh, okay, 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 okay. So we just need to think of some genius way for Winsley to fix the fracking truck. What do you know about fixing cars? Fuck all. Yeah, me too.
0: No, 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 no. Okay, so we've got this. Okay. We just have to think.
2: Okay, okay, okay. Throwing it out there. No wrong answers. Cars have carburetors. I'm certain of it.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it's right there in the name. Okay, so Winsley is going to fix the carburetor by... Okay, what what do carburetors do?
2: It's probably what makes the engine sound like, when you think about it, it's like a carburetor.
0: Okay, Tim Allen. I thought you said you didn't know anything mm-hmm. about cars.
2: It's just so intuitive. I think I have like a sense for it now.
0: Okay, so how do we fix it then?
2: Okay, okay, okay. Uh, machines need power to work.
0: You are blinding me with science right now.
2: I'm not sure how you power a carburetor, though.
0: Okay. So you know how the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell?
2: hmm hmm Yeah, but the producer said we are not allowed To have Winsley say that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell anymore because we already had him say that 12 times last season.
0: Okay, but like hear me out. If the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell...
2: I see the wheels turning, Zach, and I am here for it.
0: Then what is a car engine if not a cell? Mm, So So
2: Winsley fixes the car by...
0: installing Installing a new cartochondria. cartochondria shit that's good put that down put that down i'll go get some more cocaine
2: amazing while you do that i'm gonna say hello and welcome to because it was on we're like the fancy film podcast but for people who prefer to talk about that episode of three's company where jack and janet trail their new roommate terry on a date because they believe she's going out with an escaped mental patient My name is Jessica, and I tricked an uptight vegan into eating meat to prove it tastes better so I could win the local community cook-off competition.
0: And I'm Zach, and my coworkers and I were all arguing, so my boss has forced all five of us to wear the Tandem Friendship sweater, and we have a presentation with a client today.
2: Wow. It only gets better at your workplace, Zach.
0: They they compensate me well (laughs) with friendship.
2: (laughs) So if our listeners could not tell by now... Today's topic is all about the boy genius trope. And no, we're not talking about the cool new artist boy genius. We are not that relevant. We are talking about literal young boys who are very smart. And this is something that actually comes up a surprising amount in television. So much so that we had to remove shows from our lists of things to talk about. But we're here to talk about smart boys and how sitcoms tell us about these smart boys and really what differs about them as we look at different social and economic statuses that these boys existed.
0: Yeah, it isn't interesting that they dig so often at this whole TV executives that we just need another boy genius show. Um, yeah,
2: I have to imagine it's just like a bunch of men in the writer's room whose mommies told them that they were very smart and who also themselves got like beat up at recess a lot. And so their like ultimate fantasy was to like be the boy genius who has this power, this thing you cannot take away by mere ridicule. I'm yeah, a I,
0: I mean, it's totally part of like the er boy genius I'm I'm already starting heavy because I kept having this thought that like the er boy genius is like a key mythological figure in like Mm -hmm. American ideology, as far as I'm concerned, like the obsession with exceptionality and how like you can start in like a working class family and, but you can like rise above, you could rise out of poverty based off of genius. Mm -hmm. And that being like part of it's like this morality tale. And I think that's why there's this obsession with like, constantly going back to the boy genius
2: yeah very much so and like this idea that there's just like these genetically gifted superhumans that can rise above against all odds i think is is a very alluring idea to a lot of people but yeah it definitely speaks to like american exceptionalism
0: can i be like really vulnerable with you right now jessica
2: yes please that's what this podcast is all about vulnerability with me and our tens of listeners
0: Dexter's Laboratory fucked me up as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I watched Dexter's Laboratory and I loved it. It was a good show. Just a wonderful boy's fantasy of having this like sci-fi laboratory under his house. But it gave me such an inferiority complex about like, I was eight and I was just like, what the fuck have I done? (laughs)
2: <laughs> where is my laboratory
0: I remember going so far as to like in my bedroom closet just like peeling back the carpet a little bit and just like looking at the concrete underneath it and it's like well how the fuck am I supposed to get past that <laughs> <laughs>
2: The system was set up for you to fail from the beginning, Zach. You do not have the means of the Dexter's laboratory family to set up a laboratory in your basement. You don't have the social support. It was never going to happen for you. They sold you a fake dream, Zach.
0: Oh, and they should shit inside my soul at such (laughs) an early age that you'll never be Dexter. You'll never. (laughs) And I also remember asking my dad, (laughs) <laughs> as a child fuck I was just in the car with him it's such like a core memory uh, I'm just in the car with him I'm like dad if I had a secret laboratory <laughs> would you be proud of me <laughs> <laughs> or would you get angry <laughs> so I really was I was having like a middle age crisis when I was eight
2: I do love that like when you were little you wanted to be Dexter but I do believe you 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 realized the vision of being Dee Dee
0: yeah that was my my art That's i'm much always more in your path
2: <laughs> uh, I, yeah i think this is the one time where like women being excluded from a trope worked in my favor i never had to worry about am i living up to dexter and his laboratory
0: you didn't get like inferiority complex by like harriet the spy And like- i
2: think 99 percent of like young women's media is all about making you feel shitty that you're not as pretty as those girls so I was able to escape most of that. So I just like hated everything about how I looked. (laughs) So (laughs) trade off.
0: That's what life is. It's just a trade. off.
2: So Zach, should we introduce the three shows that we chose to watch? Yeah. So
0: we have, first of all, we have smart guy.
2: Smart.
0: he's a smart guy he's a smart guy mm, love this show as a kid i liked it now um
2: yeah honestly it held up better than i thought it would because it's it's a smart guy to introduce to the listeners if you haven't been made aware of this in the past smart guy was a disney property Uh, Ran from 1997 to 1999, and it starred Taj Maori, younger brother of Tien Tamara Maori of Sister Sister fame. And in it, Zach, I don't know if you guessed this already, but in it he plays a smart guy. Yeah,
0: little boy genius, a cutie patootie. Who? uh, How old is he? He's like ten.
2: Yeah, we're gonna go with ten.
0: Okay, and you know if we're wrong, just hit up a TikTok yeah find
2: a random tiktok i'm sure there's going to be one of zach talking about dharma and greg find it tell us what wrong about (laughs) about tosh maori's age he plays a character named tj though makes it i guess easy if you just want like a very brief rundown of the cast of characters so we have tj he's our boy genius he has a single dad Floyd, who is his father. And then he has a brother and a sister, Marcus Henderson and Tasha Yvette Henderson. But I think they mostly just call her Yvette. I don't remember her being called Tasha. So that's his brother and his sister. Uh, And then their best buddy, Mo. So that's kind of the rundown of the situation. Uh, He's in high school with his brother. They're in the same class. Uh, His brother's older than him. And he's a smart guy.
0: Yeah, so he is like promoted to high school. It's very clear he could go beyond uh, high school, but his dad, I believe in the pilot's, like he wants to keep his kid normal as possible. So he doesn't go off to college. Yeah,
2: bookmark that one.
0: Yeah. He instead stays in high school uh, with his brother and their neighbor and his brother's best friend, Mo. I remember
2: loving Mo as a child.
0: I love Mo now. You, You want to be real? What I realized during like this rewatch is I firmly believe that Omar Gooding is possibly the best actor that has ever been like the main cast of a sitcom. As far as like skill alone, I think that Omar Gooding is, he's amazing. He never has a wrong note. He delivers his line and he makes the most out of it every single goddamn time.
3: Now when I say I'm gonna do something, I do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But in this case in this case i didn't mean it at all thanks for coming drive
1: safely
2: he's a great actor
0: mm-hmm.
2: wait and am i like an idiot is he related to cuba gooding jr
0: they they look very similar in the i'm looking at
2: he yeah. is he, they're brothers
0: well fuck yeah um here's what
2: i'm gonna say the wrong brother got super famous
0: yeah if he was in snow dogs i feel like omar gooding could he could have nailed it, it yeah. been a much better film yeah what dreams may come it would it would have been so much better.
2: Here's what I was trying to unwrap, unravel, and tease while I was watching Smart Guy is the dad a daddy.
0: Oh, he's just yes. <laughs> he's got those chubby cheeks.
2: I was very on the fence about it in like the first couple episodes I was watching is like is he a dad? Is he a daddy? But the way that this man is father of the motherfucking century, daddy. Absolutely. Daddy, pull up, come through. And they had him in one scene. I think he was playing basketball. They put him in a little cutoff shirt and he had biceps. And I was like, that's it.
0: Yeah. Comparing him to other parents in the other shows is kind of unfair because he lives in Disneyverse uh, (laughs) where everything's just a little easier. But he is probably the best at having an exceptional child and like always having the right thing to say and like look out for his interests. I understand. But you know what? Sometime or another, everybody
1: feels like the odd man out.
3: When was the last time you were the odd man?
1: Two weeks ago when I took your sister that mother-daughter makeover at sex. <laughs> Not to mention every night when I'm trying to correct your homework. And I can't. Now, you don't think that makes me feel a little weird? So the next time you're feeling like the only oddball, just check it out. We're all misfits, teach It's just that your misfit's are a little more obvious than others.
0: So for that, I will give him daddy Maybe. status.
2: I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I think there's conversations to be had about the family of a young young Sheldon Cooper.
0: Okay, so we're just basically re-
2: shitting on the Malcolm in the Middle family. <laughs> surprise! Those are the three shows we chose.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> surprise. Yeah, so our other shows are Malcolm in the Middle and and Young Sheldon. Yeah. Because we're always trying to be topical here on because it was on. Gotta so. choose
2: that currently running sitcom. Were there any other stray observations about Smart Guy before we move on to our others?
0: No, I'll leave it. I'll yeah. save it.
2: Next, chronologically, comes Malcolm in the middle. A, a treasure for me.
4: Yeah, not the boss of me. Now.
0: I think I decided that Malcolm in the Middle is my new favorite sitcom.
2: It's one of the best sitcoms ever made, hands mm-hmm. down. I'll fight for it tooth and nail. It's so good. It's so sharp. We could yeah. and we could tap it for so many tropes.
0: Mm-hmm. It, Malcolm it's... in the Middle is going to be coming back up. I was not that familiar with it before we started this show. Ooh. Like I was, I had a casual relationship with it. I had seen episodes. I knew it's a thing, but. I, I will watch it for fun now. And that says something when you do a weekly podcast where you have to watch sitcoms <laughs> for a sitcom to be so good that, that you you'll just turn it on. It.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, that's that's a moment. Malcolm in the Middle was appointment television for my family. We watched it every Sunday. I love Malcolm in the Middle. My whole family did. Oh, puppy. I thought a little puppy. <laughs> anyway. Malcolm in the Middle, Appointment TV, seen every episode, watched it live, watched it every Sunday, I've watched it in reruns, love, love, love Malcolm in the Middle. However, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but because I watched so much of it, in re-watching it this week, I was having like, like an Anastasia, like once upon a December moment, like when all of her memories come flooding back to her and she is the true Anastasia Like listening to it, it's just like I imagine myself like watching Malcolm in the Middle, and it's like dancing bears, painted scenes, like that. That's the moment I had, because it all it was all coming back to me now, and I have so many thoughts about it. And it's just like I know we're talking about boy geniuses today, but it's like, can we just debate on whether Lois is a like a good mother?
0: Yeah. So, oh, okay. So this the scene, the episode that sent me is like where I realized, oh my fucking God, it's been you all along, Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> like, because I had just seen, seen like a handful of episodes before we started it's the always show. always been you, Malcolm. And then like a handful more for the various uh, assignments we've had. And then there was this scene where Hal ha- is like having an addiction to, like he, he wins the lottery, gets a $1,000 and he rents a steamroller and he gets addicted to smashing shit. And so he's going through like this parody of I'm so excited episode and Dewey, Dewey gets involved uh, because he knows the secret. Because it was supposed
2: to be his college fund, $1,000 that Hal won. (laughs) He's like, you're not going to tell your mother because this is a secret college fund. And so then Dewey finds him out and is like, college fund, mama, like, what was this supposed to be?
0: And the way that Dewey saves his father who almost like commits a felony and goes to jail for for decades probably would be like a happy ending for Al. Yes. (laughs) He would be much more at peace there than his actual life. (laughs) But... uh... But Hal is about to like go across the street and smash a car dealership because he's so like addicted to the next rush of crushing stuff, and the way that Dewey saves his father from addiction is he gets this little like hummel figurine that's like, "I
1: love you this much," <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is I guess some kind of like memorabilia from like Dewey as a baby, and he like puts it there um and like forces Hal to choose whether he's gonna smash this or not. And he's like, no, I love my family more than I love smashing things.
1: Get away from here, son! I don't want you to see
3: me like that. Dad, you have to stop! I can't!
0: And it's so sweet and it's so stupid. And it's, it's just so, so lovely. and. And the way that they are able to just time and time again, needle the thread of like, this family does love each other just enough to get past all the bullshit that they have to get through. But just
2: enough. Just enough. Yeah. Just enough. Lois loves you just enough that you are allowed in the house till you are the moment, the minute you turn 18.
0: Lois uses stress positions on her children, apparently.
2: So my memory of Lois was that she's like this great mom. And then on rewatch, I'm like, oh, no, like, I don't know if she because not only she uses stress positions on her boys as punishment, but also she has this weird fucked up relationship with Francis. (laughs) Like, I don't even know how to describe it aside from like abusive question mark like, i don't know dude we gotta go uh, there's gotta be like a mother of the year nominations and we'll dive into whether lois qualifies
1: because dude, she's our problematic
0: hot. fave is what we're saying
1: fire can hurt you fire can kill you i will not let that happen let me make one thing clear i love you and i will do whatever i have to to take care of you and keep you safe and happy and alive. I don't care if you grow up to hate me, but you will understand this. I will do anything. That is how much I love you.
2: Problematically, (laughs) I love her. I love Lois and I love that character. And I remember connecting to it a lot, even as a kid. There's just something about like in the pilot when she just opens the door fully topless. And it's mm-hmm, like, yeah. what the fuck do you want? What do you want from me? Being a mom is hard. I work at the fucking Lucky Aid.
3: What, what is it that you want me to do?
0: You know put what I on think a it-
3: top? I'm here because I think that there is a tremendous opportunity for me- Could you, you know, maybe put a top
1: on? They're just boobs, lady. You see them in the mirror every morning. And I'm sure yours are a lot nicer than mine. Fuck
0: you. You know what I think it is? Is that I did not connect to this show as a child. Because, I don't know, it was all boys, and that really wasn't my life, and I don't know, it just didn't click for me the way that other shows did, but as an adult, and I now have a child, and I am always trying to, like, suppress the lowest within, (laughs) (laughs)
3: like,
0: on rewatch of these shows and like watching new episodes of Lois, I'm just like, I'm here for you, girl. Yes. Yes.
2: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like the
0: exhaustion.
2: <laughs> the exhaustion is there. The like, I am doing this because I am obligated and because like, I will never half ass something and okay, we got to stop. I want to talk all Lois about- gets
0: her own episode. If Mimi's her- getting her own episode, own episode. she will.
2: Are you talking about Mimi from the Drew Carey show? What's in the bag? Oh,
4: I bring you Snow White's heart, my queen.
3: It's a surprise for Drew. That looks like a wedding photo of you and Drew. That's right.
2: Hold the pony, O'Brien! <laughs> Are you trying to tell me that you and Drew got married? Mm hmm
3: what's so funny pig got married and i got
0: the gift yeah we are going to do a whole episode on maybe we are going to do a whole episode on lois
2: a whole episode on i could go on and the two richest characters in this genre
0: and so we have uh we did not introduce anything about malcolm and (laughs) and we loved it oh fuck 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 should we go
2: back should we go back rewind the tape so we talked zach a lot about how much we love malcolm in the middle should we give viewers who haven't seen it a brief rundown of what malcolm in the middle is
0: yeah they probably picked it up from context clues but malcolm in the middle is uh about it's about a convent of nuns that offer back alley abortions never gonna get in old. austin texas
2: this joke will <laughs> never get old never it's what malcolm, people crave malcolm in the middle is about a boy named malcolm and he's a middle child in a low-income family in generic suburbia and he has two older brothers francis who is off at military school because he's uh, a little hellion reese who they didn't ship off to military school but is also bad and his younger brother dewey who is just like almost a neutral observer of the family and the one that's
0: going to write like a best-selling biography
2: easily yeah yeah like scissors style based on the based on the the finale of the series we already know dewey gets to fuck off with millions of dollars somehow and then we have the parents hal and lois that we talked about is lois a good mother tune in for that episode later are they the best marriage on tv tune in for that episode later But he has two parents and basically Malcolm in the first episode gets put into the advanced placement class at his school because they say, yeah, this kid's a total genius. And so that is basically the central thrust of the show is Malcolm dealing with being in this privileged position in school while dealing with like being in a generally unprivileged household in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. So what about uh, young Sheldon? Young Sheldon is her other one.
2: So I was fully prepared to go into Young Sheldon and hate it because I feel like Young Mm -hmm. Sheldon is the butt of a lot of jokes about like, oh, traditional sitcom. This is where we've landed is Young Sheldon.
0: Yeah, I've heard it as a punchline a lot.
2: I was fully prepared to go into it and hate it. And I'm going to say something controversial. I did not hate Young Sheldon.
0: I did. I didn't either. I liked it. Uh, that I, it was that fine. Re-watch. Yeah.
2: Here's the other thing I'm going to say about it. This show is not a comedy. Young Sheldon is like full on a drama.
0: It is. It's like
2: it's straight up a vaguely drama. Yeah, yeah, vaguely, vaguely. This show's a full on drama dressed up in sitcoms clothing.
0: Yeah, this is like straight in the drama. pantheon of shows that accidentally got onto our show because we didn't realize that it wasn't a sitcom when we put it on our list.
2: But I think it builds itself out as a sitcom. Like, I don't think it's like saying it's a drama. Like, it's trying to tell you in every way that this is a sitcom. But mama, it's not a sitcom. You watch the show. It's not a sitcom.
0: Yeah, there are barely ever laugh lines. It's just sort of like the situation itself, I suppose, is supposed to be funny. Yeah. I don't like the big bang theory at all i know that's another like family bonding one for you but uh did not care for big bang theory love young sheldon
2: yeah i'd watch young sheldon again
0: it it has nothing to do with it other than they will like clumsily remind people yeah that it is a spinoff
2: yeah yeah here's the thing i know i spoiled my like did you know fact too early because i wanted you to enjoy it But here's the fun thing for our viewers. So in The Big Bang Theory, Sheldon's mother is portrayed by Laurie Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf played Aunt Jackie on Roseanne. So that's how you might know her if you're like us. In the spinoff Young Sheldon, Sheldon's mother is played by Laurie Metcalf's daughter. What a fun fact. Her name's Zoe Perry. She is Lori Metcalf's daughter, and I told you this act so that you could have the the joy of seeing like the ghost of Lori Metcalf in the facial expressions of the mother and young Sheldon. So I hope that I hope that was a nice time for you.
0: Yeah, it was. It, when you look at like the two of them together in like pictures, you don't necessarily see it. They're not very like twinsies in that way. but when she's when she's moving and when she's acting. it's there. You say eyebrows, but I think it's the chin action. Because in the Laurie Metcalf School of Dramatic Tricks... Why do we have the same
2: joke? Get out of here. (laughs) Go ahead. Fine. Go ahead with yours. And then I'll say my Laurie Metcalf School of Acting joke after. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So in the, the Laurie Metcalf School of Dramatic Tricks, it's all about like tucking in when she's angry. Like she does. She like... (laughs) She... <laughs> oh this is gonna be
2: so hard for you listeners because we're gonna do the same thing and focus on opposite features because you're exactly right she does this head tilt where she tilts her head forward and tucks her chin down this is Lori metcalf school of of acting but let's not forget that a huge part of that school is big ass eyes
0: yeah but that's just a perspective trick because she's tucking in the chin
2: <laughs> but them eyes and she's got the eyebrows and they're like i think we're, saying the, we're like,
0: saying the same thing we're saying the
2: same thing but it is the Lori metcalf school of giant ass eye acting yeah. and they both <laughs> have it they both have it so it's just a joy to watch like the ghost of Lori metcalf dance across this woman's face that's my poetic way of saying it. she looks like her mom yeah she acts. and so that was like such a joy
0: this show uh, of course features sheldon who originally was a character on the big bang theory where he was a man genius but now we're going back in time to watch his childhood as a boy, a boy genius. genius
2: he he's in east texas i think they say east texas
0: sheldon comes from another working class family laurie metcalf's daughter is his mother and i think that there are so many just cute moments of dealing with like a working class mother who's very tired and has a lot of things on her plate just trying to help and be there for her exceptional child while her exceptional child is low-key an asshole sometimes (laughs) low-key and she just has to like deal with that and um I think it's very cute and heartwarming. And I would just advise anyone that is like, I didn't care for the Big Bang Theory.
2: Give young Sheldon a shot.
0: Give it a shot. It's much closer to Malcolm in the Middle, I would say, than Big Bang Theory. They're not very similar shows.
2: No, they really aren't. Young Sheldon's a drama. We've said it once before. We'll say it again. But rounding out the cast, we do have Sheldon's dad, who I actually came to really like. Yeah. I actually I ended up really liking Sheldon's dad, who is a high school football coach. That's his job that like, ostensibly the whole family is supported by this in Texas in the 80s. So that's fun. He's not even head coach. He's like assistant coach. But whatever. He has an older brother and a twin sister who are both dum-dums and then his grandmother is played by annie potts i love it best
0: best character in the show
2: character oh my god i'm so glad you said that there's a couple of episodes that i i watched that were annie potts focused there's an episode where she and sheldon like decide to play a video game together and she gets like way into it and starts playing it secretly behind his back (laughs) and then she takes his ass out of school to finish the video game with her
3: I'm sorry for waking you, but I know how to kill the Cyclops. We have to play the piccolo. Oh, what a great idea, Moon We'll try it tomorrow. Excellent. Wait, how'd you answer your phone so fast? It's not next to your bed. Uh, well, actually, I was on my way to the bathroom. You know as old people in our bladders. I'll call you right back. you're playing the game right now i am not i saw you with my binoculars oh how about that you promised not to play without me we're team amelda showman remember i'm turning off the game and going to sleep right now you better
2: it's beautiful it's beautiful oh my god i live she's so good she's so good in the series she modeled her character after dolly parton So you get Annie Potts doing Dolly Parton. Sign me the motherfuck up.
0: The grandmother is also the best character on Malcolm in the Middle.
2: (laughs) Cloris Leachman? Oh, my God. (laughs) Cloris Leachman is such a fucking slay. I was watching an episode just before this, and, like, it's canon in Malcolm in the Middle that Howell's family is really, really rich, like, super wealthy. They disowned him for marrying Lois. Cut him off. And... So they go visit the wealthy family and Malcolm's like, why is it that these are the grandparents I never see? But my grandma who goes shopping in her bra shows up five times a year. And that's the Cloris Leachman energy. She's got a full on German accent, just like she did in Young Frankenstein. It's the same accent. So this character just shows up and is the worst grandma on the earth. (laughs) Like just working, like plotting with Reese on how to like deploy like a literal bomb of shit in the school. I, I live for her.
0: So,
3: right when we walk in, I fake a seizure. When I fall, I make sure my skirt comes up over my hips. I'm going commando, so you'll have plenty of time to sneak this
1: out of the car. I love you, grandma.
0: The comedic choice of just her her old like lady stance, really just being like prepping for a tackle. <laughs> like, she's constantly like mid i'm about to jump on you and that's her like stance god i fucking love that character it's so um, good
2: but yeah give young sheldon a shot that's all we're saying give it a try it's not that bad
0: I, I would go so far as to say that it is good. I'm just a sucker for any show that like depicts just a tired working class mama just trying to get through it, just trying to like, do her best. I'm a sucker for it. I'll, my heart will bleed for you every time.
2: And then if that mother is the daughter of Lori Metcalf, you've got, we've already bought the ticket. Stop selling us. Stop selling us. We already bought it. And that's young Sheldon.
0: Okay. So. We watched these three shows. There are, of course, other shows that feature boy geniuses, but we picked we'll come these back three. To it.
2: We just did yeah. these three.
0: These three have a lot of like overlap and a lot of differences. And I think it gives us a good cross section of the trope. So, what were the themes that stuck out for you when you were watching this? Things that kept coming up?
2: Yes. Yeah. So the main themes that I noticed is really the depiction of genius in a couple of different ways, but mostly as isolating. Genius socially isolates the boy genius from the rest of his like social peer group. And he's immediately thrust into a social situation in all of these shows in which he is powerless or, or lacks power based on that social situation. So genius is a very isolating experience and automatically like is socially stigmatizing for these people. Then there's also the home life of the genius that I think is an interesting thing across all three of these shows. What does it mean for the parents to have a genius child? And then what is the impact on the other kids involved in the family when there is a genius child? And then lastly, I think there are real socioeconomic impacts that we see when it comes to geniushood. So we have access to opportunity and resources. And by the way, you'll notice we keep calling it boy geniuses because the same trope does not exist in the same way for girls. And so I think those are all things we should definitely talk about. And then I think also here at the end, we should probably talk about this idea of autism and especially young Sheldon, because this is such a hot button topic. But before we do all of that, I think I'd love to get your take on like what does genius even look like for each of these shows? Because all of these shows are written about mega geniuses by writers who are uh, not mega geniuses. So what does genius even look like?
0: That's absolutely the thing that I kept noticing again and again and again. And it's so fun, guys, I would recommend that you go on the same journey we did watching like these three genius shows back to back like this because it's very funny what's clearly happening behind the scenes when you're like like doing a clockwork orange style just watching them (laughs) all back to back like this because the cracks start to show because okay so you're an you're a hollywood writer on a kids show or like any show you're on a sitcom writing panel and you're not a genius, but you have to write for a genius character. So that's a fun game that you get to play. That, <laughs> <laughs> of how, how do you cheat it? Cause you can't, you can't write a character that is smarter than you are. That's a rule of writing. And so you have this character and they're in like chemistry. You don't know shit about chemistry, <laughs> but you have, to, uh, <laughs> you have to like write genius dialogue
2: pre pre pre-internet by the way especially for smart guy and malcolm pre-internet you have to just be like he's a genius chemical boy
0: yes checking this shit
2: at least for malcolm and for young sheldon it's a very like science specific type of genius Mm. which means that they can do science things but also they know they can do math good in their heads they can do math without a calculator
4: if you add the individual digits on each card, you get 74 and 66. If you multiply those numbers, you get 4,884. How do we even know he's right? Oh, he's right. 4,884 squared is 23,853,456. The square root of 4,884 is 69 and 885 thousands. The square root of that is 8 and 3,597 ten thousands.
2: The line from Matilda is she can, she can multiply large sums in her head and then Trenchable goes. So can a calculator? And that's what I thought of,
0: but like that's the game. That's so fun. Right? That's
2: the game. <laughs> that's the game. You know, you can ask Malcolm the R value and he just knows it in his head, but you as the writer, you can do a little Goog, a little googing, and get that done. <laughs> And they have, uh, at least Malcolm has like a full on photographic memory.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. TJ, TJ is more like he essentially has a superpower. With TJ, he is literally just able to anything he puts his mind to, he can do. So if he wants to fix a car, he is a mechanical genius. If he needs to program a computer, he can do that. He just knows everything.
2: So yeah, you want a diagnosis. don't, Don't go to WebMD. TJ's gotcha. It's much yeah. more of like a child's wish fulfillment idea of a genius Absolutely. than anything mm-hmm. else.
0: And he doesn't have to, there's no real sacrifice on his end, except they'll play, they'll pay lip service to it, but it's not what the evidence is showing. Like he is accepted by his peers. He has friends, he has social skills. And so they don't really dip into the trope that other shows do of him, like not having emotional intelligence. It's just like a normal kid that is a genius as well.
2: For the most part, except for the the episode where we watch about him being dumb so that he could fit in.
0: So in the episode, you are referencing TJ gets his head hit and he becomes dumb. And so he's no longer special and he likes it. So when he gets better, he pretends that he's still dumb in order for his peers to continue to accept him. When did you get your intelligence back?
3: Yesterday during geometry. Well, it could have been during phys-ed, but how would you know?
1: Why don't you tell me, TJ? I've been worried about you.
3: I'm sorry, Dad. It's just things have kind of been nice and easy lately. No one's been hassling me. You don't stick out when you're
1: dumb. But is it worth hiding your intelligence so you can kick a newspaper with the guys?
3: Everybody seems to like me better. Marcus likes me better.
0: And you think if you're smart again, he won't like you as much?
3: based on 10 years of experience. Yeah.
0: And what I loved about that episode is it's clear that the writers of this show have not seen a like a TV show or a a movie since like 1962.
3: <laughs> All every character in
0: this show has pop culture references that do not go past the 60s. So like when they want to like what are the dumb people watching on TV? It's the Three Stooges. It's the
2: fucking Three Stooges, man.
0: Mm. And then the, um, and the and then like what he, he's when he's dumb, the thing that he's reading is jughead.
2: I think that's actually like a wonderful segue into the first trope that we noticed with these boy genius episodes is that genius hood is incredibly socially isolating. Mm-hmm. And so we already started talking about it with this smart guy episode where yeah. TJ hits his head and all of a sudden he's feeling like he can fit in more. But we have episodes like this from Malcolm in the Middle as well. Malcolm wants to date a pretty girl who's normal and popular. And so he decides he wants
4: to shut off his brain so that he can fit in. Reese, you're a genius. What? That girl Allison just asked me why everyone in the world has accents except for us. And instead of going into this long explanation, I thought of the Minty Mint song. And all that came out of my mouth was because they're weird. And she liked it. Cool. I can actually feel my brain click off. She said I was cute, and then she touched my shoulder.
2: Young Sheldon, he wants to fit in more with kids his age. Well, it's not really about fitting in. It's so that he doesn't become a maladjusted adult, but he decides he he should, like, be more lighthearted and play pranks and act like other kids for an episode of two.
3: Oh, dear. What? Paige was right. There's ample evidence to indicate that a stunted childhood can cause one to be maladjusted as an adult. Then I'm screwed. What do you mean? When I'm not in school, I'm doing homework. When I'm not doing homework, I'm practicing my cello. And when I'm not doing that, I'm working in my parents' store. That must be why we're friends. We're both stunted. Sounds right. Well, I, for one, plan to do something about it. Like what? I'm going to goof off, engage in horseplay, and if time permits, be quite immature. If time permits? I have homework too.
2: It's so interesting. I'm very curious on what do you think, where do you think all of this is coming from in terms of like genius is isolating?
0: It's a lot to unpack. I was talking about before the mythology, like the American mythology of the exceptional person. Like the idea is that we have a perfect system That is moral and it will sort people correctly at all times. And so because TJ and Malcolm and Sheldon are geniuses, they will be sorted to the top because that is their rightful place to be. And so they express like this loneliness of being like separated from their peers. I
2: think it's interesting because like for young Sheldon and for TJ, I think it's much more about loneliness. I don't think it's about loneliness for Malcolm.
0: He wants to get laid.
2: Malcolm wants to get laid and it's all about the social hierarchy of fitting in with his peers and like the social stigma of being a boy. Yeah. Which, oh, fun fact. You want to know why they call it Krellboy? Yes. Take this <laughs> take this with the biggest grain of salt because I got it on IMDb Trivia, my old favorite. The Krelborns are so named for Seymour Krellboy from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, they're King fun. nerd who I don't know what that's saying, because this motherfucker grew up and worked at a flower shop. So I don't know what you guys want. But yeah, he's he's more concerned about the social stigma of being a crowboy than anything else. Like, is he going to get his face pounded in because he's in the smart kid class? or Are they going to associate Malcolm with people who he sees as his like social inferiors?
4: You're going to put him in the crowboy class? Mom, no, I don't want to. What are you talking about? Of course you want to. No, I want to stay in my own class. I don't want to be a crowboy. Mom, seriously, Krell boys get their butts kicked.
2: So I think there's a lot to say about it because Malcolm, of course, is poor and his family is poor. And so he's already got sort of that mark against him in society. But when it comes to like the social status at school, I think up until this point, he's felt like he's like, I'm right in the middle. I'm, I am mm-hmm. Malcolm in the middle. I fit in, but I'm not like the coolest kid. I'm also not the fucking Crowboys. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, this is taken away from him too. And now he no longer has the safety of just like hiding in the middle. He yeah. now is is in that group. So he's losing that sort of element and that safety structure there as well. And he's now forced into the bottom of that strata. So like, I don't think he sees himself as like, I am exceptional and have a gift in this way and therefore that makes me better than people and i am lonely because no one can match me Mm -hmm. it is much more like he views this and malcolm has a lot of anger in general as a character so he views this i think way more as a loss than like i am lonely and there's so much i think you could get into there especially in terms of like the whole ethos of his mom of lois is like you're not better than me in terms of like the greater world i am poor Mm -hmm. And we don't have a lot, but you are not better than me. And I think you see this come through in Malcolm a lot in terms of how he views himself in relation to the social structure.
0: I think that's true, especially in the pilot. It's shown that anonymity at his school is almost a safety thing as well.
2: Apparently, there's a roaming horde of nameless bullies who will just punch nerds.
0: Yeah, so being noticed is a danger for Malcolm. Totally understandable. And I think an interesting way of framing genius or why you would not want to be marked as a genius. But all of these kids suffer consequences because they are marked as exceptional. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I think Malcolm would give away his genius at any moment. I think Malcolm would give it away in a heartbeat. Yeah, Uh, I don't think TJ or Sheldon would. I think especially Sheldon, it's his like defining thing. It's the yeah. thing of which he is most proud. He would never, he would never give up his genius. I think Malcolm would give it up in a heartbeat.
0: I think Malcolm in the Middle probably has one of the more nuanced discussions happening with like the concept of smart, you know, like the value and limits of smart. It's it's just such a good television show. Mm-hmm. But just the way Malcolm is not particularly awkward. His brother, Reese, is also socially strange. And, you know, all these characters are but Malcolm isn't really separate in that way, but it's shown that he has a hard time like connecting and like having an interesting conversation because he, he's more curious, I guess, or he has a mind that can wander farther. so he like suffers from that, almost like boredom. Like he's interested in this girl, but he's not able to have an interesting conversation with her.
2: Yeah, true. And the whole thing with this episode, there's, there is an episode I think it's called stupid girl uh, in season four where Malcolm chooses to shut off his brain in order to make it work with this girl. And it's interesting because in terms of Malcolm isn't necessarily seen as suffering socially from being smart. I think that's true, except for this one episode where like he can't really talk to this girl because what we have on display, they call it intelligence, but what it really is is anxiety.
4: See, I always assume people know when I'm kidding, but sometimes it's just so subtle, I come off sounding like a jerk. I mean, not too subtle for you. I don't want to sound condescending, it's just, I think about this kind of stuff a lot and I should have stopped talking 30 seconds ago, right? Uh, I have to go to gym now. What is wrong with me? How long you got? I always ruin everything, even with a perfect girl like Allison. Allison's a moron. She's not the problem, it's me. I overthink everything. I can't even carry on a normal conversation without screwing it up. Why
2: won't my brain just let me be happy? Like Malcolm is exhibiting like classic traits of anxiety where like he yeah. gets really worked up and gets really nervous and uncomfortable like talking to people and having to like express thoughts and emotions. Yeah. So we're seeing anxiety and calling it like his brain uh which yeah. I think is I guess fair enough like They're kind of the same. So yeah, I just just thought that 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 was interesting is like this idea that like in intelligence is like intertwined so clearly here with the idea of worry. Whereas like the idea of stupidity in Malcolm in the Middle is like you are completely careless and worry-free. Like you are too dumb to care. And ignorance is bliss situation taken to the extreme.
0: All three of these shows... Kind of a little bit equate having friends or having social skills or being good with your peers as being connected to mediocrity. Mm-hmm. That if you have friends, what you are sacrificing is your exceptionality. And the yeah. only way that you can rise above is to sort of be a little antisocial, that you have to be willing to sort of like cut and go a little bit above. The episode that we were talking about in Smart Guy, again, he gets like hit in the head and he's dumb for a while and he loves that suddenly everything's back Mm -hmm. to normal. Uh, Like he gets to be treated like a normal kid and his brother likes the situation because he can like take care of TJ in a way that he could never take care of TJ before because TJ was doing all right.
3: I knew it. You like me better dumb.
1: It's not that I liked you better. It's just that I like being a smarter, older brother for once.
3: Yeah, I liked it too.
0: And so his brother's hanging out with him more. And he's just like one of the guys for the first time. Right. And so he really likes that and wants to like keep that going. So he pretends that he's done. And then right. there's this sort of like sit down moment where um, his father talks to him. First of all, okay, this needs to be said. I'm, I'm interrupting. We're entering a cul-de-sac now. The way that TJ has found out that he has faked his not recovering and like faking that he's still dumb. The way that that he is busted is that his father finds a Jughead magazine that TJ had been reading. He opens it up and it has a copy of Popular Mechanics in it. (laughs) And so he's like, oh, TJ's found out. TJ's back. I've got a plan to bust this boy. And so he calls TJ in. And he's like, TJ, did you enjoy this copy of Jughead magazine? <laughs> and TJ's like, Yeah, Dad, I really like that copy of Jughead. And it, and so his dad's like, Did you like it when he slipped in the peanut butter and he shot off into the the pillow factory and got covered in feathers? And uh, I really like that, Dad. That was very funny. And then his dad's like, ha-ha! I've got you never, there, son. That never happened. <laughs> but you're still reading. You're reading Jughead. Yup, yup.
3: Jughead.
1: <laughs> and isn't that great, you know, where Jughead sits down at the super glue and gets the chair stuck to his butt? Ah! <laughs>
3: yeah, that super glue is real sticky. <laughs> and then he has to take off his pants and wear Veronica's dress. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, the dress. That was good.
0: <laughs> and the funniest part is... None of that's in here.
3: (laughs) It's not?
0: So I've caught you. And and so basically, his dad's plan was to trick his child who recently had a traumatic brain injury uh, into... He's actually secretly a genius. And his proof is that his child that's had a traumatic brain injury has bad memory. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is airtight as you thought it was going to be my <laughs> dude
2: <laughs> hey it works very <laughs>
0: easily could have been like yeah i've had a recent brain injury and i'm just saying yes to whatever you're saying because i like your energy
2: <laughs> we're going somewhere together
0: and so his dad sits him down and is like hey teach you know you're 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 smart and don't you, hide
2: your light under a bushel
0: yeah yeah like you can't hide your exceptionality and that you're a genius uh and so he has his separateness again, and he embraces it because being exceptional means that you must be separate from your peer group a little bit, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. And this theme is repeated in the other shows.
2: I would say young Sheldon more again, for the same reason we, we talked a little bit about this with Malcolm. And I think there's more interesting things to say about Malcolm, about how like he hates being part of the Corral boring class, but then actually does find community there. Yeah, like, yeah. He's the coolest dude in the class.
4: Mm. Oh, look at all your little friends Hi, <laughs> Hi. They're not my friends oh, They're a bunch wow. of geeks and losers
3: Malcolm's in the house Malcolm, Malcolm 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 Malcolm
2: Malcolm But for sure with young Sheldon It's it's canon He has one friend at school Tam Yeah Who is like kind of a friend
0: And I think he's Mostly seems to be okay with that.
1: (laughs) Look at him. Breaks my heart.
0: Poor little guy, all alone. My mother never understood that I actually enjoyed being alone. Solitude allowed me to think about important things, like the effect of gravitational forces as you approach an event horizon.
2: Yeah, it seems to be like a mutual situation. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But like, you
2: also don't see him longing that much for friends. Like, this is not a hole we see in young Sheldon often.
0: Yeah, young Sheldon seems to understand this alleged trade-off that you have to make, and he is willing to fully embrace it.
2: He does not give a fuck, and he already knows from jump that he is better than the people at his school. And so he's like, I don't give a shit about socializing with any of you, or he gets that fulfillment through his mother. I don't know for sure. Or he just in the canon of the show has no need for socialization and is like a superhuman in this way, which I think is actually mostly what the show tries to tell you. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would not be surprised if there was an episode whole arc. Who knows? We have not seen much of this show if they do address this issue. So I do
2: know where there is an episode where like Tam is introduced, which is about young children, like trying to find someone at school to like be an ally.
3: Yeah. And then Uh, he does
2: lament like when he is going, he is graduating that Tam has found another friend to to take Sheldon's place once he leaves. Yeah.
3: Sheldon, tell us what you're going to miss the most about high school. Nothing. Really? Not your teachers, your friends? I only have one friend, and I don't think he's going to miss me because he already found other people to have lunch with.
2: He does have some connection there, I should say.
0: An interesting thing that I've noticed, particularly again with smart guy, but with the other ones is if there is this separateness between a very smart person and their peers, a lot of the times it is because of the social awkwardness of the genius character. But a lot of the times it is because of the influence of the adults that Mm. are inflating and aggravating the separateness in a way that is completely unnecessary. The teacher and smart guy, I don't remember her name, but the way that she will just so casually, will just like shout out to TJ. TJ did amazing. TJ is awesome. Y'all are fucking dumb. Fuck all of you. I'm here for TJ. You can have the trickle down effects. <laughs> like.
3: All right, everyone. I have your test papers back. Some of you did very well. And some of you just make me sad hundred and ten how'd you get hundred and ten percent man he started by getting all the answers right a strategy you have yet to embrace then he followed up each multiple choice question with an essay I also enjoyed the diorama it's fine work TJ more of you should show TJ's kind of initiative
0: just like sabotaging this child's social life yeah but you just see it a lot like if you are constantly using the language of like this child is a cut above you are you are making the separateness happen you are making this child suffer
2: yeah i think you do see it more from the teachers yeah malcolm's teacher is doing him no favors yeah but i would say like i said earlier lois is the opposite Mm -hmm. lois's message to malcolm is you are no better than anyone at that school Yeah, you're in the smart kid class. And yeah, we're going to try to use that as a family to get our asses out of this situation. Like you are no better than any other person at that school. That's her whole ideology.
0: But you're going to be president someday.
2: We could talk about social isolation of these characters for a long time. Yeah. But I do think the adults exacerbating the social failings probably holds true mostly in Malcolm and smart guy. I don't think that's the case as much for young Sheldon.
0: Because again, he's just enthusiastically, he did not choose this, but he is happy with the deal, with the trade-off. There may be isolated events where he wishes it was otherwise, but most of the time, his genius is his friend. His intellectual curiosity is giving him the enrichment that he wants, and that's fine with him.
2: Yeah, I think that's dead on.
0: And so, genius is isolating, but I think talking about the family is interesting because you don't necessarily get to have separateness when you're in a family so yeah. it happens when you have other children in the home
2: i think this is such an, an interesting one to, to look at malcolm in the middle and mm-hmm. you see this a lot in the crowborn picnic episode So there is an episode in season one shortly after Malcolm gets put into the Crowborn class where his class has a picnic and all of the families are invited to join the picnic. And this is such a fascinating episode for so many reasons. The family goes and essentially they just inject chaos into each part of the picnic that they are party to. Lois, like, destroys the queen bee of the mothers. (laughs) Al introduces meat to all of the classmates when they were supposed to just eat vegan dogs. Francis uh, has a full relationship with another, like, teenage girl there. So they just inject chaos. Malcolm himself, like, ruins the day and, like, forces the picnic to disperse. But none of that is quite as important as... it's, It's alluded to over and over and over again that each student will have a set in the the picnic where they perform their smartness for everyone and the performances are very much being compared and Malcolm doesn't want to do his, he doesn't want to do, he's, he's doing everything he possibly can to skip out on the picnic, destroy the picnic, disrupt it in some way so that he does not have to do his performance. And where we land is that Malcolm fucks everything up. Teacher gets super sad. uh, And so out of the goodness of his heart, he performs. But before he performs, he has to ask people in his family, like, please tell me you're not gonna think of me any differently before, after this happens. Please tell me, you know, I'm still part of this family and you're still gonna accept me after you see what I am.
4: No, I mean, you'd still like me even if you found out I was a freak, right? And the family wouldn't treat me any different, right?
1: Dude, we already know you're smart.
4: Yeah, but never mind. Just don't say he didn't
2: warn you. And what we see is Malcolm get up on stage and do what we talked about, his photographic memory. These two men show him their credit cards, and he memorizes all of the numbers in two seconds flat. People are shouting out math equations for him to do off the top of his head, and he just does them for a very long time. And you see a cut to his family with like their jaws dropping, and Malcolm knows that this is happening. And so what this tells me is Malcolm has hid this from his family, for years and years and years. He has thought or feared from Jump that they were going to think of him differently if he dared expose this part of him. And so his whole family never knew their gag when they see his ability to do this. But the best part of that episode is they get in the car after the picnic and family is doing their banter. Lively family bullshit. Malcolm enters and it's silent. And here we have the thing that Malcolm feared, that all of a sudden the dynamic of the family is going to shift drastically because here I am, this genius, and now I don't get to be a part of this family in the same way. They're going to treat me differently. And so there's a pause and a beat. And then Lois says, you know, what I don't understand is how you can remember all of those credit card numbers, but you can't remember (laughs) to put your dirty socks in the laundry. And then all of a sudden everybody else in the family has a thousand one liners to shoot at him and the car is noisy again. Exactly <laughs> as it was.
4: He fell on his butt, This is like dazed. Is
3: from a robot?
0: No, son, he's just smart.
1: Very, 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 very,
0: very, very smart.
1: Hey, Malcolm. How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Shut up. <laughs>
1: Analyze what I had for lunch. Uh, <laughs> you know, moron. You know what I don't understand? How you can rattle off all those numbers, but you can't remember to brush your teeth.
3: <laughs> hey, who's for Burger Bar?
2: And so, again, the ethos of the Malcolm in the Middle family is, yes, you are this genius, but you get no special privileges because of it. And you are no better than any of your brothers. You are no better than the rest of us. You still get punished like everybody else. You still get yelled at like everybody else. You still get policed and patrolled by your parent like everybody else.
0: I think one of the things is interesting to look at is and it. Harkens back to the separateness thing, and the adults a- exacerbating it is, there. Most of the tension between the siblings, when it does come up, has to do with the adults having different expectations for the child.
1: Mm-hmm. um usually mm-hmm.
0: about their future and just you know like clearly my genius child is going places and so i have to prepare them for that but i have to prepare you for a separate future
2: yeah i mean if you want to talk about like weighted expectations for a child's future it's all malcolm in the middle and it's all summarized by that last episode um so i'll say it before we get into it i do want to talk about like the world of the siblings in young sheldon but before we do i think we should talk about this a little bit more with malcolm in the middle so malcolm in the middle in my opinion has one of the most successful series finales of all time Mm -hmm. and what happens in the series finale is very related to this idea of expectations for the child and what it means to be a genius in a family that has very little and what that responsibility now is for you And so we see Malcolm's graduation and the whole tension of this episode is Malcolm is offered a high paying tech job right out of the gate, right out of high school. And Lois says, no, no, absolutely not. You're not doing that. You will be going to college, even though it's shown over and over again that this family doesn't have money, which Harvard wouldn't charge them anyway, but whatever. It's shown over and over again that they're trying to like scrape together how to pay for Harvard and they don't have the money and so here is this white knight riding in offering malcolm a very high-paying job where he doesn't have to solve this problem and right away he's making all the money that his parents could ever dream of him making and lois says no and malcolm's why 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 and the scene that it comes to i'm going to play the entire speech and it's it's full version for you guys because it's great
1: you know what i'm glad this is appropriate Now my life looks exactly how I feel. How could you screw me over like that? Because you were gonna take that job, and we are not gonna let you throw your life away. How is being rich throwing my life away? Because it's not the life you're supposed to have. The life you're supposed to have is you go to Harvard, and you earn every fellowship and internship they have. You graduate first in your class, and you start working in public service, either district attorney or running some foundation, and then you become governor of a mid-sized state, and then you become president. What? Of the United States. Dad! I'm sorry, son. It's true. Thought you knew. Our expectations started out much smaller, but you just kept upping the ante. What if I don't want to be president? Uh, It's too late for that. You're gonna do it. Oh, really? Have you decided my position on capital gains tax cuts? What are my foreign policy objectives? That doesn't matter. What does matter is you'll be the only person in that position who will ever give a crap about people like us. We've been getting the short end of the stick for thousands of years, and I, for one, am sick of it. Now you are going to be president, mister, and that's the end of it. Did it ever occur to you that I could have taken this job, gotten really rich, and then bought my way into being president? Of course it did. We decided against it. What? Because then you wouldn't be a good president. You wouldn't have suffered enough. I've been suffering all my life. I'm sorry, it's not enough. You know what it's like to be poor and you know what it's like to work hard. Now you're gonna learn what it's like to sweep floors and bust your ass and accomplish twice as much as all the kids around you. And it won't mean anything because they will still look down on you. And you will want so much for them to like you and they just won't. And it'll break your heart. And that'll make your heart bigger and open your eyes. And finally, you will realize that there's more to life than proving you're the smartest person in the world. I'm sorry, Malcolm, but you don't get the easy path. You don't get to just have fun and be rich and live the life of luxury. That's Dewey. Really? This is unbelievable. You actually expect me to be president no no i'm sorry you expect me to be one of the greatest presidents in the history of the united states you look me in the eye and you tell me you can't do it
2: and so what you heard in this dialogue is lois saying what you're going to do is you're going to do all of these things you're going to work through college you're going to bust your ass it's going to fucking suck everybody's going to look down on you you're going to have to work twice as hard to get into the same spots and be considered at the same level because you're a poor kid and where this is going to end is you're going to be president because you are the only one who's going to know what it's like to be us, and you're the only one who's going to give a shit about people like us. And Malcolm doesn't want to do this; he doesn't want this life, but he's resigned himself to it because his mother has written the script, and she is the all-powerful force in his life.
0: I so it, an incredible finale. I I think you're right. I don't know of another show that has so, so perfectly good. like summed itself up sent their characters off and just wrapped everything up in a nice little bow. I will just muddy it up a little bit. I would like to introduce another text into this discussion, and that is Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy is uh, an autobiography by J.D. Vance, Where essentially he shits on his family, his whole community, and every peer he ever had throughout his childhood calls them culturally deficient and says that all their suffering they essentially brought upon themselves. How dare they Uh, like
2: Cracker Barrel?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Uh, the one
2: takeaway I had from the book. I brought it up in the Roseanne episode. We cut all the content, so you guys are getting in here again. He has a whole bit in the book about how his liberal elite friends in the coast look down upon Cracker Barrel because it's so greasy. And then J.D. Vance is like, yeah, fuck Cracker Barrel. And it really hurt me personally because I live for cheesy potatoes from Cracker Barrel. Serve those bitches up now.
0: The reason that I'm bringing it up is because the life of J.D. Vance follows very closely Lois's imagined life route for her son mm-hmm. and like her main theory is that we need to get you in power because if you suffer and you go and you work through college and you become powerful you will know what it's like for the people like us and you won't forget us and so we'll have someone in power that will fight for the working class. Very much not the story of J.D. Vence <laughs> has such a visceral rage for his childhood yeah. and the culture that raised him and wants to hammer home again and again that your poverty was brought on by how she, by your
2: behaviors. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and it's interesting because we've already discussed in this episode that Malcolm carries a lot of rage with him.
0: Mm hmm yeah
2: lois you do not know the little republican of which you might be creating
0: oh the subtext of all of these of like genius equals republican Mm, put a pin in that but yeah so jd vance that's malcolm's story so it's no guarantee that just because he comes from a working class background he's going to suddenly be good for working class people
2: i hear you like young white male rage is one of the most terrifying destructive forces on the planet. Yeah. So I hear you that this could go very wrong for Lois.
0: Yeah. So he could be like this working class hero that uh, is going to become president and just make it good for working class people. Yeah. Or he could write an autobiography that's It's yeah. My Mother's Fault, the musical. And
2: (laughs) and if he like, if there's anybody who might have a lot of rage at their mother and see their mother in every like working class person for whom he's supposed to work, it might be Malcolm because Lois may not be the greatest mother.
0: So I don't know if she has an ironclad plan. That's what I'm saying.
2: It's not an ironclad plan, but it is poignant for us as the audience.
0: You know, there's a very
2: clear message that they're trying to send with that. Yeah, before we move away from talking about the families of these geniuses, I do want to talk about young Sheldon. Right. Because I do think that young Sheldon puts a lot of emphasis on the rest of the family, especially the other children, and the message there I think is incredibly important and the message is like what is the impact on the lives of the children who are not geniuses? And the message that we see come through a lot in young sheldon is that all of the mother's attention and most of the father's attention goes to the genius it goes to young sheldon he takes a lot he takes a lot of energy he's difficult to deal with he has a lot of very special needs beyond just being a genius he has a lot of very special needs and so all of the energy and the resources of this family get dumped into sheldon over and over and over again and so i think you get something that's really rare in shows like this where like our point of view character is sheldon right it is the genius it's so rare to get moments where we're diving into like how this actually impacts those other kids and young sheldon is tragic in this way it's tragic in the they give missy his twin sister repeated moments to be like You know, dad and the oldest brother on the football team. So they're like kind of a pair. And mom and Sheldon are always together. So they're kind of a pair. And so I have nobody to be a pair with. It's just me. I'm alone in this family.
3: You see things most people miss. My name is Missy. Go figure.
4: Have you always been that way? I guess so. I think when you're on your own a lot, you get good at seeing that kind of stuff. Really? My dad does football with my older brother, so they're like a team. And my mom and me mom spend all their time fussing over Sheldon, so they're like a team too.
1: So no one's on your team?
4: Nope, it's just me.
1: And so she
2: says it outright, and they give her multiple chances throughout the show to express something very similar that she feels like she is like this left behind child because all of this family's resources get invested in sheldon
0: yeah the the rage that the older brother feels as well of just like the indignity of having his his younger brother in the same class as him and doing better than him
2: graduating before him
0: yeah it and it's just that way that like parents i don't know sometimes it's imagined but sometimes parents do do it of just like comparing children in this way. Your siblings can sometimes be this like hostile mirror that the parents are shoving up against you and you understand yourself as opposed to your sibling. And so when you have a genius in the family, that sounds fucking brutal.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what they show us in Young Sheldon is like how brutal it is to constantly like hold yourself up against that mirror, especially when you're
1: his literal twin.
0: Yeah, oof. She does have her... She's a great kid. She had they show in that one episode that she's she has like the emotional intelligence that Sheldon lacks.
2: <laughs> but yeah, she has the social intelligence that Sheldon lacks, but the way that that's not valued in the same way that Sheldon's intelligence is valued and Absolutely. the way that like women and girls are expected to have social perception and social intelligence and so like it is just taken for granted. The way that Missy is able to connect all these dots and maneuver and Sheldon gets all of the attention for not having those skills and having to be protected and isolated and coddled in a very extreme way that Missy never got. She never got that.
0: Yeah. I mean, Sheldon, he's a genius, but he does have like a lot of needs too. He's an extremely anxious child. And that does make him separate in a lot of ways from Malcolm and TJ because there are no extra needs really attached to those two. They're they're able to take care of themselves. It's it's like a superpower version of genius.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's- like when TJ wants to take a job as a corporate executive, it's not like TJ. I don't think you're emotionally mature enough for this. It's TJ like. You have to go to you have to go to college because I'm like a boomer and believe that education is important in this way. Whereas for Sheldon, when he wants to go away to college, the conversation is like, Sheldon, you are not mature enough emotionally to deal with that type of level of independence. Right. And his parents realize that first. And then Sheldon has to realize that for himself, that like you are like you are smart. But you are not grown. They're, like, interviewing him because he's, like, youngest boy to ever graduate from East Texas high school. And they're interviewing him, and he's just, like, so stressed out about going to college. And he says, like, I may be smart, but I'm still a little boy.
3: Sheldon, tell us what you're going to miss the most about high school. Nothing. Really? Not your teachers, your friends? I only have one friend. And I don't think he's going to miss me because he already found other people to have lunch with. I'm
1: sure he'll miss
3: you. And I said I'm okay with watching Professor Proton at night, but that'll never work. I get over Everybody knows that. Maybe we could turn the camera on. And the other day I couldn't find my safety goggles and I freaked out at school. And my dad asked, is this how I plan on acting when I get to college? And I said, no, but it probably is because even though I'm smart, I'm just a little boy.
2: And I thought that that was like such a poignant line that like yeah. often these geniuses, especially smart guy and young Sheldon, they're being forced to grow up before their time. Because they're smart, you're being forced into social situations that require like a higher level of maturity than these children are capable of. And they're expected to live up to that standard because they're smart. But Sheldon tells us again and again and again and again that like intellectually, I am ready for this journey. But emotionally, I am years and years off from being able to handle this on my own.
0: His lack of immaturity, I think, is interesting because TJ and Malcolm, they are motivated to some extent to find ways to conceal their intelligence or to just like socially make it acceptable, which is just a thing you have to do. I'm not a genius, but I was in honors classes and I did learn how not to be a fucking asshole when talking to someone that d- doesn't know like a book you're aware of. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Sheldon does, does not have these skills. He does not have the skills of it's important. To not make people feel bad when you're talking to them.
2: All of that has to be mitigated over and over again by his parents. So again, he's a smart mm-hmm. little boy, but he, he couldn't be anywhere if his parents weren't there, like holding his hand each and every step of the way. Because at the end of the day, he's still a little boy. So we see the impacts of the home life on the genius and it just. Like I said, it makes me sad about the other kids. I think you get it somewhat in Malcolm in the Middle, too. Everybody in Malcolm is ignored. But I think that that moves us on to our next point. Like, all of the kids in Malcolm in the Middle are also ignored. I don't think they are so much in Smart Guy. But in Malcolm in the Middle, all of the other kids are ignored. But I think that points less to, like, a message about what it says about the family. But I think that's about what it says about Malcolm in the Middle's socioeconomic situation.
0: Absolutely. I think... Hal and Lois are probably like the poorest sitcom characters that I'm aware of that it's like a family sitcom and Malcolm in the Middle. They are constantly like emphasizing that they are on the fucking brink
2: because Lois in the show works at uh, I think it's called Lucky Aid. Like it's clearly like a Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS, like, you know, grocery store ish type situation she's a clerk there and Hal works in a cubicle in an office it's unclear what he does I'm gonna guess it's some sort of like data entry like minimum wage type gig like when the show aired he was probably making like $22,000 a year and Lois again working as like a cashier probably making like 12k a year at the time of the when these episodes aired and they have Four children, and during the course of the show, they have a fifth. The situation there, like it, it's all about the socioeconomic status of the parents. And, like, I think the subtext that you get from a lot of Malcolm's classmates is that all of his classmates are well off. And so all of their classmates have all of these additional study materials at home. They have all of these additional tools at home. They're enrolled Mm -hmm. in summer camps and enrichment camps and after study programs and before study programs and internship opportunities and connections through their parents to all of these different worlds that Malcolm will never have access to. Yeah. Full stop. He just won't have access to it. And I think you see that in all three of the shows. TJ's raised by a single dad. And smart guy. And there is no enrichment program. There is no special kids program. There is no after school resources. He just, the best that the public school system in Baltimore can offer him is like, we can move you upgrades. That's it. There is no smart kid class. There is no enrichment. This is all we can offer you. And I think that's like saying something about the Baltimore school system that.
0: Vic- the other smart kids are interesting characters in these shows because I, I think it's exactly what you're saying that generally the other smart kids do not have the sort of like fictional genius quality. They they are coded as being quite privileged, like you said. And that's how they got there, which tracks with reality of most people that are in AP and IB generally they're there because they have involved parents that are able to like get them into these programs and they can give yeah. these resources and support to get them there.
2: I'll tell them myself, I remember very much like freshman year going into sophomore year in order to get into like the sophomore class honors English, like the person in the English teacher could nominate two people from a class to get to the sophomore level. And grade wise, I was fine, but I was not like a, I've been very introverted person. I would never talk up in class. So like I was top of the class grades wise. But the teacher nominated two other girls who like spoke more in class. And my dad called that school. My dad called that school and said, you will put my daughter in the honors program. And do I think Lois would call the school? Yes, she would call the school. Would she yell at him? Yes. Is Lois going to have time to remember to do that shit? Or are her shifts going to work out for her to be able to get to that school to talk to somebody? That's a question mark.
0: And the pilot. The guidance counselor finds out that Malcolm is a genius and she tries to communicate to Lois, but Lois like got it, received it. She's very busy and overwhelmed, and she misunderstood what that letter was.
1: That's actually not the You know what? Of I'm going to tell you something here. else. The reason I didn't respond is because it is a load of crap. What? You are not going to stick my Malcolm in some special ed class. Mm-hmm. What is it with you people? Why do you feel you have to label everybody? Malcolm may be a little strange. And I know, I know he never shuts up, but no. he is not disturbed. You know, he's a good boy. Please! I-
3: you know what? You don't understand at all.
0: And so like, she never got around to responding to it. And so it would be a huge question mark of in that situation, would she have the time and resources to bu- Exactly, fight?
2: exactly, exactly. So yeah, all those other smart kids are coded that way, except for the exception is Tam and young Sheldon. So Tam's Sheldon's friend. Um, mm-hmm. He, he repeats over and over and over again that his parents are immigrants to this country and they work at a convenience store. And so his entire life is school and assisting his parents at the convenience store.
0: Right. Yeah. So I this, think
2: he's the notable exception.
0: The closest they have a smart guy to this. And again, it a little bit does have that they are not a genius, but they are privileged. And that's why they're smart is they have this very bitter white boy. Yes. And- <laughs> that he is frustrated that he wants to be the smartest kid in school and he was before tj but tj took that away from him because tj is naturally uh, a genius but we see him like like angrily like studying he's like reading books and he he he, you're not supposed to like this character at all but this is like an all-black school quite nearly and he's like one of the few white characters and they have him as like the other smart guy and so it, it is this like most smart people are there for their privilege a little bit.
2: That's totally true. And then I think you also get like young Sheldon, right? Where his parents blatantly don't have the resources to help him either. And not only that, like they're in like fucking middle of nowhere, Texas. This is a poor town as well. Who yeah, like by, by the virtue of necessity for the sitcom to work, there is a local college that sheldon is able to attend (laughs) but this is a very poor town that does not know what to do with him and we often see sheldon wanting things to further his education and not getting them he wants to go to california to see stephen hawking and the dad flat out says we're not made of money flights and hotels cost money i can't just take you there
3: there's no way we're going to california If Stephen Hawking can make it there in a wheelchair, I'm sure we can manage.
1: Sheldon, airplane tickets are expensive. Hotels are expensive. We can't afford it.
3: But his health is fragile. This might be my only chance to ever see him in person. I'm sorry, buddy. And he only gets it by virtue of somebody at the
2: university agreeing to fund the trip. And And he wants a computer. And he eventually gets it, but only through, like, the mother having saved up Behind the father's back resources. And again, choosing to deploy all of them on Sheldon. She splits all that money that she saved up for years and years on Sheldon.
0: Yeah. Malcolm in the middle has an interesting line in the pilot where they say, when they're like trying to talk up the, um, the honors program to Malcolm who doesn't want to go and they're like oh so you'll be with like uh your peers who are also smart and you'll be able to do all these cool things with, like microscopes and like field trips and everything and all the things they don't want to waste on dumb kids and so his class gets lots of more resources
1: he's a genius he's going to special class what
0: Malcolm special where do you think that came from
1: they have a special program for gifted children. They have advanced textbooks and devoted teachers and all sorts of good things they don't want to waste on normal kids. You start on Monday.
0: And this is like a tension and a controversy that exists. Why are you wasting all of these resources on the gifted kids when their kids who actually need our help more are getting less funding as a result? And it's an excellent question. And I do not have an answer to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the answer is probably don't make children fight for scraps and fund our public school systems better.
2: Let me ask you this, Zach. Our trope is a boy genius. It's not a girl genius.
0: Why do you think that is? Interesting. I I think that to a certain extent, it is just part of the classic toys are us aisle to date ourselves, like distinction about how the cultural instruction we give boys, the cultural instruction we give girls and what we teach children to aspire to based off of their gender, that like the fantasy that you are sold on television, if you're a boy, is to be powerful. There's a lot of variety in girls' media, but it does tend to value more being socially prized.
2: The fantasy is more like being beautiful <laughs> and popular. Yeah, that's the so, that's what they're trying to sell you as important.
0: Although I think there are girl genius things. I think
2: there's fewer. I, there's I can, definitely fewer. There's Lisa Simpson.
0: Lisa Simpson. Matilda. Matilda is a genius.
2: I think there's less on like sitcoms. Most of the properties we've picked out here are not television shows, except for The Simpsons. And like, I think in television, you'll get a lot of smart girls, but genius level girls. The only one I can think of is Lisa Simpson, because you get Carol Seaver and Growing Pains. She's very smart. Right. But they're not geniuses. They're not skip grade level geniuses. Even Lisa is still in second grade. She has the opportunity to go to like the smart girl class and she turns it down, but she's still in second grade.
0: There are very few properties where like with the other shows where they show like real world, like you're destined for greatness and like college professors are talking to you about how intelligent you are and like you're going to be recruited. Genius, uh, Lisa, it is implied she's going to be president.
2: Yeah. I mean, Lisa is our best example, hands down. Yeah. But like the the way that we could do an entire another three episodes on boy geniuses where we, we could right
0: right right there are, there's are just lots of examples of it and that's, it's just right that's like, just not what our culture instructs
2: women Except... that they are capable of even though yeah. like we're saying that this for the most part is a genetic lottery your gift mm-hmm. of genius is a genetic lottery right right there's nothing we're saying that was absolutely fundamentally special about how malcolm or sheldon or tj were raised right they weren't raised to be geniuses in fact we've said explicitly that they had multiple marks against them in terms of like their socioeconomic status to be able to do this so it's a hundred percent a genetic lottery so what we're saying is that like part and parcel to that genetic lottery is that you have a y chromosome as well
0: right that's true
2: I think it is safe to say in a broad trend like th- this is why there isn't as many girl geniuses as boy geniuses, especially in sitcoms like young girls are just not really portrayed this way unless they're like the nerdy foil uh, in some regard, but they're never the main character, even Lisa's so not true. the main character
0: that's absolutely right like nerdy girl is definitely a trope even girl genius is a trope but they not a lot of properties center around that character it's a side character
2: Mm -hmm. usually a joke yeah even in the big bang theory right like where we're talking about nerdy girl adults they're side characters they are love interests generally speaking yeah i think The last thing that i think we should talk about and i don't want to spend a ton of time here because at the end of the day i don't think we're the right people to fully have this conversation because we are not necessarily educated in this space i'm going to come up uh, on on it and say it that way so i do want to talk about the role of autism as it relates to young sheldon specifically because this is a conversation sort of in the broader culture And I will preface that by saying, neither Zach nor I are in any way experts on autism, experts on this field, how it functions. I've not lived with anyone who who had any persons with autism in the past. My experience with it is limited. I am not an expert. I tried to research and inform myself a little bit uh, on this episode, but not an expert. And I don't want to speak for Zach, but I don't believe he is either.
0: I am not, although I do have loved ones who are.
2: There is a lot of coding that goes into young Sheldon to tell us that Sheldon is a person with autism. Sheldon has lots of rituals, peculiarities and, and he struggles socially. He has a very rigid routine that he has to stick to, and he struggles a lot with change. We also see like clips that I believe are meant to expose us to like things within Sheldon's worldview that show overstimulation, right? When he's getting on the plane, they're trying to amplify for you the sound of the plane, the feeling of the plane moving and all of those things acting as overstimulation to Sheldon. And all of these things are commonly associated symptoms with autism. I am not trying to oversimplify here and make this like, this is exactly what autism is. And these are, these are for sure what's going on here. That's not my point. My point is these are symptoms commonly associated, especially within broader pop culture with the diagnosis of autism. And so there are many out there who have decided that Sheldon has autism. And the creators of the show, both Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon, have repeatedly stated that he does not. And I think there is a lot of controversy around the topic. And Zach, I just wanted to get your thoughts and your take on the broader conversation.
0: The first thing that I want to say is that I think that it is very disingenuous and gaslighting for the creators to say that Sheldon is not autistic. The first line of this series is I love trains and I I don't mean this this is is clearly coding like everybody understands the train and autism trope of uh, fascination with trains and so you cannot tell me you cannot play coy or give me some bullshit about you did not mean Yeah, it's intentionally
2: coy, right? Because if they flat out came out and said he was autistic, all of these jokes that they go on to make about Mm -hmm. how how Sheldon behaves are suddenly fucked. But if you use all of the signifiers of autism, but then say, but he's not autistic. All of a sudden, those things are rife for comedy.
0: Yeah, they're just dodging. They don't want to have the moral responsibility to depict a person with autism. They don't have to deal with that. And so they are playing this very gaslighty game of constantly indirectly telling you that he, is ha- he has autism and using this coded language and showing things like overstimulation and just going like right to the DSM and like looking at the symptoms and like showing it in Sheldon, but then telling you that no, we never had any, any idea mm-hmm. that Sheldon is autistic. But I want. I did a little bit of research because I didn't. I didn't want to fuck this up. Talking about autism when neither of us have it. So I read a little bit about people's relationship with this show. Yeah, um, I tried to do autism. the same. Yeah, and it's hard to come down on anything in particular because there are diverse uh, amount of opinions about this. Some people, of course, did really like the representation of it, and being Sheld- Sheldon is depicted very sympathetically in its own little way but uh there were lots of people that said that this is gonna have people not understand me or they're gonna think i'm sheldon and i constantly am being compared to sheldon and that this is creating problems for me Mm -hmm. i don't know it's complicated something i will say so it might seem like i'm about to contradict what i've already said about young sheldon is clearly coded as being autistic but there's such obvious intentionality there. But on the subject of like diagnosing and like giving clinical names of, of conditions, psychiatric or uh, psychological conditions to fictional characters, it generally it's a weird territory and not something that I am particularly comfortable with. It is extremely ethically fraught.
2: I think it is important to clarify that like, we are not in the business of trying to diagnose Sheldon here. I think our call out is more that like, bullshit on the writers bullshit on the writers and creators for telling us this isn't what they were trying to portray right yeah absolutely I call I call bullshit on that and so like if that is the intentionality which you cannot tell me it wasn't without just sort of being like wink 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 this is this is the bag that you 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 bought it with right and so now it's time to talk about that but to Zach's point like it's not it's not up to us to be like he is or he isn't
0: yeah, psychology and psychiatry; these are tools that we use to address complaints and patients that come to a professional for help. And it is ethically fraught.
2: Yeah, it's not up to us to say whether he is or he isn't. It's more to say, like, if the writers are going to play with this shit and they're going to use the use the sort of set dressing of all of these symptoms that are typically associated with autism, but then not sort of examine the whole picture in a more representative way then that's just kind of a fucked up thing to do i think is the takeaway from what we're trying to say is there any other errant observations that you wanted to make about these shows
0: billy gilman also gave me an inferiority complex (laughs) who's that billy gilman was like his gimmick was that he was a child country music star So he would like uh, sing like country songs, but he was like 10. I was like, fuck, I don't even know how to play an instrument.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you've moved into an era of radical acceptance.
0: Yep, I'm just here and I love every inch (laughs) of (laughs) myself. so i hope you enjoyed this episode of because it was on that boy geniuses don't forget to rate review and subscribe check out our TikTok. we also have an instagram and thank you for joining us yeah. you take care drop us a line because it was, at because it was on gmail.com and because guess what
2: on. we're gonna see you because next it time
0: was on. <laughs> Because it was on, because it was on,
3: rate, review, and subscribe to, because it was on.